Hello, and welcome to another edition of The Appropriate Omnivore on the new Green Earth Radio. We've got a great show for you today. With me is Hannah Crum of Kombucha Camp. Also, I'll be telling you how to live appropriately in our dessert segment at the end of the show. But first, let's go to our appetizers, where I talk about what's happened this week in the world of real food. Earlier this week, a Los Angeles federal judge heard from sugar producers that are suing the corn industry for false advertising when they said that high fructose corn syrup is a natural product and nutritionally the same as table sugar. Those truths about high fructose corn syrup ads disgust me so much. It's certainly false advertising. So I applaud the sugar sugar manufacturers for taking on a major industry that thrives because of all the government subsidies on corn. Also, a group of scientists is calling for federal action by the EPA to address the concern of the scientists' finding that Monsanto's genetically modified corn develops resistant rootworms that ravish the crops as they mutate to to become biopesticides. I'm strongly opposed to GMO foods for many reasons. The EPA really needs to take action on this now. The fact that scientists, of all people, are concerned with it, that can't be taken lightly. Next, Food & Wine magazine has reported that sprouted grains are all the rage. The article explains how sprouted foods are found at places like Whole Foods and sold as everything from sprouted brown rice to sprouted tortilla chips. And I felt a similar reaction, actually, after going to the Natural Products Expo a couple weeks ago. They had a lot of booths related to sprouted products from sprouted flour and sprouted bread and certainly also some sprouted sprouted legumes. Um, And sprouted grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds, this is another type of real food that I recommend. So I'm extremely happy to see this as the next big movement in the food world. Also, it's been discovered that decayed meat has been sprayed with carbon monoxide in order to be passed off as fresh. This comes just after the recent news of ground beef containing a filler known as pink slime. This is more of a reason why it's best to know your supplier, and I recommend buying meat from a butcher where it's fresh instead of packaged and it won't sit on the shelf for months. Um, Hopefully, supermarkets and restaurants will be aware of this recent discovery about what they're spraying. Um, They are already aware of the pink slime supports, and in fact, supermarket giant Safeway says they'll no longer be carrying the meat which contains these ammonia-sprayed waste trimmings which is, this is wonderful news. I've long considered Safeway to be the best of the conventional grocery stores when it comes to organics and sustainable foods. Um, And I still recommend, you know, shopping at the natural food stores, but if you are looking at saving some money, I know natural foods can be expensive. Now more than ever, I encourage going to Safeway of any of these traditional stores. And this also shows how businesses will listen when the public makes it known that they're fed up with our food being tainted. Later on in the show, I'm going to let you know what you can do so some of these other businesses, restaurants, supermarkets will stop adding, will, uh, will stop selling ground beef, which has uh, added pink slime to it. Now for our main course, which today is fermented food. In the past episodes of the show, I've talked about the need to consume pastured meats, but well, the show is called The Appropriate Omnivore and not The Appropriate Carnivore. So as omnivores, we eat both animals and plants. Today, I'm going to talk about an appropriate way to eat many vegetables, grains, and other plants, which is to have them fermented. I know a lot of people have a misconception when they hear the word fermented. They think it has something dealing with foods going bad. But many foods can be naturally fermented, and they're much better for digestion that way. Before recent times, we didn't add distilled vinegar to products, and instead we used the process of fermentation. 
This was done with a lot of condiments we consume, such as mayonnaise, ketchup, mustard, salsa, pickles. Companies started making foods with white vinegar in order to extend the shelf life. But in any case of real foods, having a longer shelf life in no way means that it's a better product for you. In fact, in most cases, it makes the products worse. Foods with white vinegar lack the healthy bacteria and cultures that are found in fermented foods. In addition to condiments, there are other types of fermented foods. A healthier type of bread than the ones made from white flour is sourdough, which is fermented. Soy, also, that's better to eat when it's fermented. Um, in fact, that's, for the most part, if you eat soy, except for on occasion, or when soy serves as a condiment, the best way to eat it is fermenta fermented because the fermentation gets rid of the phytic acid, which soy is very high in. Examples of fermented soy are soy sauce, miso, tempa, and natto. And last, but certainly not least, there's a great fermented drink called kombucha, which kombucha, that's a fermented tea. Like all other things fermented, kombucha contains healthy bacteria for your gut. And it's a great alternative to things like soft drinks and coffee. At the beginning of the year, I took part in the 30-day kombucha challenge. I drank kombucha every morning in place of my coffee. I'm proud to say I haven't had any caffeinated coffee since the end of last year, and I'm still drinking kombucha every day. So my guest for today is the kombucha mama that got me to take the 30-day kombucha challenge. Here she is, the owner and founder of Kombucha Camp, Hannah Crum. Hannah, it's great to have you on my show. Thanks, Aaron. Great to be here. What a great topic. Absolutely. So I'm very glad you can do this because certainly when I was planning on starting the show, of course, I had you in mind as one of my guests. Well, and I'm excited to talk about fermented foods because while kombucha is my passion, um, it's a lens through which I like to focus my passion about real foods, whole foods, and fermented foods. Part of why I love fermented foods so much is, as you mentioned, they contain the healthy bacteria that our bodies need in order to digest things properly. Um, you know, did you know, in fact, that our bodies are made, are outnumbered 10 to 1 by bacteria, the cells in our body? Wow. So we're mostly bacteria. So when you think about it, all these like antibiotics, antibacterial soaps, in a way, they're kind of like committing a sort of suicide against ourselves. And really, it's, it's due to a lack of information. We've kind of had this germ warfare mentality um, ever since uh, Louis Pasteur came onto the scene. And, and granted, pasteurization was really important at that time. Um, sani sanitization wasn't up to the level that we, we have it now. So that was really important then. But what we've since learned is in fact our entire bodies are covered in bacteria. So when we're in the womb, we're sterile. And then as we come through the birth canal, that's literally our first inoculation of healthy bacteria. Add to that then um, being breastfed by your mother, and that's when you get kind of your second dose of immunity, that kind of bacteria. But literally every single piece of your body is colonized by bacteria. Wow. I mean, and yeah, and certainly um, in addition to getting me out of kombucha, certainly... You've taught me about a lot, just the whole fermented foods, and since uh, since learning about it from you, I've been making all types of uh, fermented condiments. Started making fermented salsa, and looking at making some fermented pickled jalapenos. That sounds good. Yeah. Good for your tacos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing about fermented foods. I mean, you think about um, I'm my heritage is kind of German, so lately I is it okay? So I've been really into sausages and bro and sauerkraut. And when you think about it, like even a Reuben sandwich, like why is there sauerkraut on that sandwich? The sauerkraut helps you digest the meat. 
we need fermented foods. We've, we've always had fermented foods as part of our diets in order to help. As you said, they were the condiments. They were the things that we had on the side, but we always had fermented foods with our meals in order to help our bodies process that nutrition more effectively. Right. Well, certainly I'm German, but also Jewish culture. So actually, uh, what I'd like to have is um, corned beef on uh, real rye, no yeast, just, you know, the fermented rye, and then um, have some uh, lacto-fermented mustard on it. And the lacto pickles too on the Those side. Oh, Those yeah, are so absolutely. good. Yeah, which actually I've realized. Actually, I've been always um, buying the lacto fermented pickles because when I was first looking at switching over to the whole fermented, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to miss these great pickles. But I found out actually the Bubby's pickles that I buy. I guess they don't want to use the word fermented because, like I said, people have misconceptions. But it says something on the side even about how they have like cultures in it, or it says a thing on the side explaining that that it has got like. Healthy cultures or healthy bacteria on it. Well, here's what here, – think about it. So why why do foods ferment, right? They ferment as a means to preserve themselves. How long have we had a refrigerator? Like the fridge has only been around for the last, like, uh, you know, a couple hundred years. Uh, my friend Sander Katz, who you may recognize his name from as the author of Wild Fermentation. He's a mm-hmm. fermentation guru. I had the pleasure of meeting him at the Freestone Fermentation Festival last year. He calls a refrigerator a fermentation slowing device. So basically, the way that our food used to be preserved for thousands of years was through these fermented processes, whether that was with bacteria or salt curing, things like this. This, is, this was how we preserved our food and saved it for long periods of time because we didn't have refrigerators. And the really cool thing about that is, is it converts the sugar – the naturally occurring sugar in whatever it is, so let's say it's cabbage or um, in the case of kombucha, we add sugar to the tea, it converts those sugars into something that's healthy for us. Sugar in large quantities, as we know and are discovering, is actually quite right. toxic. <laughs> you know, this is this is part of the problem with that high fructose corn syrup, right? It is. Well, and it's the whole thing I make in my show of, um, you know, people stop blaming diabetes and obesity and heart disease all on animal products. No, it's it's the sugar. That's it's really the, the sugar. Absolutely. Sugar's the toxin. I mean, they've, they've done studies where they show that cancer cells thrive on sugar. And so the more high fructose corn syrup, the more of these artificial sweeteners that are in your processed foods, you don't even realize how much you're consuming. And your body starts to get out of balance because part of what fermented foods do is they, they bring your body back into balance in terms of acid alkaline. So we need both. We need acid-forming foods as well as alkaline-forming foods. Alkaline-forming foods include green leafy vegetables, uh, fermented foods, things that are more alkaline in nature. Acidifying foods tend to be like our dairy products, our meat, um, things like that, sugar, and coffee, which is (laughs) a big uh, American indulgence here. But um, so... Those fermented foods bring you back into that alkaline balance. And what happens is when you get over-sugarfied, like people who try kombucha for the first time who've never had it, they end up with kombucha face. It's this really oh, funny. Oh, yeah, I had that. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's that sour pucker of like, oh, what was that? Yeah, but after you had it a few times, now it's like, wait, how did it taste? Because, um, <laughs> you know, I can't believe that I felt that way the first time because now I love it. It's and and th- I was told that too when I had it the first time, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> I sort of uh, – didn't know that I quite li- could believe that that would happen, that I would, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I'll drink some kombuchas and, and uh, I'll be with newbies or whatever, people who don't drink it as often as I do, as you and I do. Um, and and they'll try it and they'll be like, oh, that's sour. And I'm like, really? 
I can't even taste the sour anymore. No, like, you can't. Like the sour dissipates. And that's when your body, that's how you know your pH has kind of shifted back to that appropriate side. Because in fact, sugar is, you know, remember when you were a little kid and you ate a lot of sugar, you had a lot of candy, it gave you a tummy ache. And that's what sugar is supposed to do. But since it's, you know, hidden in so many foods, we don't even realize how much we're consuming. What happens then is you get so over sugarfied that when you get presented with something like a sauerkraut or a kombucha, you feel like, oh, that's so sour. And it's it can be kind of, I don't know, it's scary or just the way that people react to it is as if you had poisoned them sometimes um, just because that sugar has such a strong hold on them. But as you incorporate more of these fermented foods into your diet, you shift. And what happens is, in fact, you lose your taste for sugar. And it's not that then you're like, oh, I'm never having sugar again. But it's more you just can't tolerate it as much. You consume it in less quantities. And it comes back into a more normal uh, pattern of consumption for sugar. It does, yeah, because it's been interesting when I started that. I was amazed at how I was just kind of like seeing like, you know, some candies. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of... Well, no, and even if I have a little, little, I'll have a little bit, but I can't have more than like a piece or oh, two. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it certainly it makes you crave. It, it does reduce your cravings. That was another thing I found was I was amazed at when I started that, how I completely reduced it. So now, how did you get interested in kombucha? Oh, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of a funny story. Kombucha kind of fell into my life. I was visiting an old friend from college in San Francisco, and he showed me his mysterious jars of kombucha. It was literally a box of gallon jars with cloth covers over them. And we didn't even try the kombucha that day because it wasn't ready. But I was like, kombucha, what is this? It's so mysterious. So um, I went to Whole Foods, grabbed a GT's off the shelf, and it was love at first sip. So, um, you know, truth be told, I'm the I'm the the girl who sneaks into the kitchen and surreptitiously steals the pickle juice out of the pickle jar <laughs> when I was looking. Oh, they weren't fermented pickles at that time, but you know that I always had that kind of craving for the sour stuff. So when I had kombucha, it was like, oh, this really resonates with me. Right? Yeah. In fact, I remember you talking about that on the Good Green Witch show about how how you love drinking pickle juice. I did too, and I remember Rhonda <laughs> said uh, she did also because yeah, pickles are like my favorite food. It's like. When I go home, I, the first thing I want to get is the pickles. I'm and like, my mouth is watering all over just talking about it. <laughs> I, mean, I think all the pickles I've had are fermented. I don't know. The ones in Cleveland, uh, Don Herman's. I'm not sure. I'll have to look now if they had vinegar or not. But I think usually because it's um, – those are just – I find those the better ones, the ones that you have to keep in the refrigerated section. Right. And that's the thing if um, – to uh, if you wonder if something is fermented or has vinegar, a lot of times looking like the refrigerated section of the grocery store. That's so where I found you'll find the... that there are even like some fermented salsas. They don't say it on there, but like at Whole Foods, the ones in the refrigerated section, most of them don't contain vinegar. They're naturally fermented. The and better the, choice. Yeah, and then I guess there was um, a new company at the Natural Products Expo called uh, Brooklyn Salsa Company, which their fermented salsa. Yum. I'm, I can't wait until we get like the fermented ketchups and, you know, those back in. Yeah. When, you know, I've uh, any works for them? Um, no. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I, I got to perfect it then because uh, I got to market then, I guess. So. There you go. Exactly. You'll have a, you'll have the markets wide open for you. Yeah. No, because they don't have any, I mean, they have, you know, natural food stores, but they don't have one that, um, any stores, I think in LA that go by like the whole like Weston A price guidelines for food are there? Not entirely. Uh, oh, wait, actually there's a Culture Club 101 in Pasadena. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's a private buying club, but they mm-hmm. have a lot of the the grass-fed beef, 
um, and they know exactly who they're getting it from. And she also makes, Elena is the owner, she makes tons of fermented foods. She makes um, sauerkrauts and kombucha, kombuchas and kvasses and ginger bugs, and she's just all kinds of, oh, and dairy. She makes this yogurt that's like so thick from and delicious. Milk. Yes, and nice. raw milk ice cream. Ooh. Which is, uh, I think, technically illegal. Raw milk ice cream is illegal. Yeah, because it's not, um, it's not been subjected to heat, so it's not pasteurized, uh-huh. and it's not been cultured with uh, like a bacteria. I see, because raw milk's okay, but not raw milk ice cream. Well, because like raw milk and then uh, eggs, right? Because there's also raw eggs in ice right. cream as well. So I think there's just oh. an abundance of raw products that could have the potential. Uh huh. Um, but she uses high quality, really Uh-oh. fresh should ingredients. We be me- should we be listening to this because mentioning this because I don't know if you know like uh, oh it's a pri- NSA are they uh, are they listening <laughs> to us? <laughs> Do they care? <laughs> well, I don't know. They're cracking down on these private buying clubs. I mean, like the one in Wisconsin, or then there was a thing of. Um, People like going cross state lines to a buying club. I well, think, and a lot of state. that has to do with the raw milk specifically, right? Because uh, in a lot of states, it's not necessarily legal. Like we're really blessed here in California to have raw milk be legal. Uh, and we can go to any grocery store and buy raw milk um, that carries it. Here in L.A., you can get it at Co-Opportunity or Erewhon or a lot of the co-ops have it. Whole Foods, unfortunately, removed they did, um, raw but milk. they do have it at. I gotta give a shout out to uh, Figaro Produce. Also okay. has it. There you go. I, I love the raw milk, but you know there are states such as Wisconsin, as you mentioned, where sales of raw milk are completely illegal, right? Because we have these various um, various ways in which people can get it. In some states, you can go to the farm and buy it yourself. Right. Some states you can have these private buying clubs, but some states where it's completely illegal, they're really trying to crack down on the private buying clubs. Fortunately, here in California. We live in an environment or in a state where they're more supportive of, like, the community agriculture and things like that. So uh, I think she's good. I think so, yeah. I mean, certainly, yeah, when it's a buying club. Um, right. Yeah, certainly in California we're good. I think probably the state with uh, the uh, the, mo- the least restrictions on raw milk of any of them is Vermont. Oh. Because I think California we are, you know, I think we have some restrictions here. but uh. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, like, I don't think they're still trying to figure out the herd share thing um, because while there are two raw milk dairies in California, they certainly do not produce enough raw milk to uh, feed everybody in the state, everyone who wishes right. to get raw and milk. And now when you say that, that means two dairies that are entirely raw milk? That's right. So Clarivale yeah. and Organic Pastures. Right, because I know Sierra Nevada Cheese Company, not the beer company. <laughs> um, they do Although make beer a- is fermented. Yeah, <laughs> they do make a couple of uh, of raw cheeses, but um, but they're not entirely raw. They also have some pasteurized well, cheeses. Well, the raw milk cheeses um, have to be aged for sixty days. That's the minimum uh, sixty days. So this is why you don't see like a raw brie or a raw um, creamy cheese because those haven't had mm-hmm. that longer fermentation period. But um, I, I love raw milk. I mean, and fermented foods in general. So basically, why they work so well and why they're so effective is they um, convert. The healthy elements, so let's say it's a sauerkraut, so they're taking all the healthy stuff that's in cabbage and converting it into something that's more bioavailable. So, for instance, with the kombucha, we're starting with tea, which is already this fantastically healthy beverage. You put it through this fermentation process with the culture, and it converts the polyphenols, the catechins, the antioxidants, the vitamins into a form that's more bioavailable, meaning your body can absorb the nutrition more easily. And so a lot of people have found that when they start incorporating fermented foods into their diet, that um, their appetite decreases. And part of that is, well, you think about why do you eat? 
other than all the social and, you know, entertainment type reasons, you eat because you need nutrition. And so if your body's getting that nutrition in a different form, then you don't need to eat as much. Wow. Yeah, I've yeah. my husband lost 40 pounds drinking kombucha and raw milk. Oh, wow. I mean, that wasn't nice. the only thing, but and it wasn't so quick. It took a couple of years, but, um, you know, even myself, I've definitely noticed that my appetite has totally changed. Since. Me too, yeah. And so then after kombucha, is that what got you interested in the other fermented foods? Exactly right. Like, I never thought that I'd be someone who'd want sauerkraut for breakfast, but I could have sauerkraut wow. for breakfast. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yeah, so I've started making my own sauerkraut. I've also made beet kvass um, and uh, milk kefir. So there's a couple of different ferments I've experimented with. So you make the kefir yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, I do use the pasteurized milk just because it's less expensive. Mm. Yeah, that is... And you still get the benefits of the bacterial fermentation, so um, you know I don't mind using that. I'd rather save my raw milk to drink it raw. <laughs> well, that makes sense. So the, then did you get interested in the Weston A. Price after being in kombucha and fermented yeah, foods? Yeah, exactly. So it was kind of – I did it kind of backwards. I think a lot of people first find out about fermented foods through a traditional diet or, or because they have a specific ailment. For instance, um, there's the GAPS, gut and right. psychology syndrome – uh, diet developed by Dr. Natasha McBride, as well as the body ecology diet with Donna Gates. She, you know, both of them really um, put a huge emphasis on fermented foods. Um, but yeah, that that's what uh, led me to the traditional foods. And that's what's led me to more grass-fed beef, sustainable meat, um, more vegetables, salt and butter on my vegetables. Oh my gosh, it's like the most delicious way to eat them. <laughs> That is right, because there are recent reports that actually you get more nutrients from the vegetables by putting the butter on them. That's right. Well, some vitamins are fat-soluble, so you need the fat and the butter to help get the nutrition from the greens. More of a greens tend to have a little bitterness to them, and salt will help to temper that. And, um, you know, in fact, as I mentioned before, we used to eat preserved foods or salted foods like salted meats and things. We're not even getting nearly as much salt in our diet as we used to. We're, we're consuming the least amount of salt that we ever have in recorded history. Unless maybe if you count the salt in my diet, because um, I've always said, <laughs> think of the saltiest thing you've ever eaten. I bet it's not salty enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a craving for that salt. Oh, yeah. Craving is an understatement. Um, no, uh, I, yeah, I love salt and I love, I love pepper too. <laughs> yeah, well, they're both good. And, you know, salt is one of the things that we use in fermenting food. So, for instance, sauerkraut is literally cabbage and salt. Beet kvass, beets and salt. So salt plays this really unique role in the fermentation process. Um, uh, now, with some things, you want to have a starter culture, but with things like sauerkraut and kvass, what happens is the bacteria that's already present on the exterior of the lettuce or on the exterior of the beet is what ends up being the fermenter for that thing when you just put water and salt with it. Right. And now I know there's other ways also you can do it with, um, like with milk. Do the um, with the do, way, yeah, right with the way. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I haven't tried that so much yet because some of the stuff. I mean, like the salsa that I made, I just did it with salt because I heard you could do it with the way, but that seemed a little weird putting like dairy inside the salsa. So I thought, I thought just with the salt it worked fine. I right. guess the way keeps it longer though. Is yeah, exactly. It has more of a preservative function because of the bacterial activity of the way. So the way, essentially, what way is is if you take milk. And you let it sit out and get warm. And this is uh, not pasteurized milk. Pasteurized milk will just spoil and go bad, go rotten. Raw milk, 
never goes bad, technically. And what I mean by that is it'll then turn into another product that you can consume. Right. So do you need raw milk in order to make whey? Yes. If you want to make whey yourself, make whey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you take raw milk and you let it sit out on your counter for a little bit. Then you pour um, – you'll see it separate to solids will kind of rise to the top and a liquid at the bottom. Then you pour that through a cheesecloth or some kind of um, cloth or sieve so that the liquid – is extracted from the solids. The solids you can then use and make like a yogurt cheese or, or some, some kind of Right, yeah, I can hear you can make a cream cheese. cheese. Exactly. Yeah. And then the whey is the liquid that's left behind, and that's what you – and whey will keep in the fridge for like a few months, three to six months. And you can use that to make lacto-fermented sodas, to culture your veggies, to make a lot of the condiments you mentioned, the mayonnaise and the ketchup, and it helps to preserve them for longer. Yeah, because that's what I'm looking at. Because I just I love this condiments like ketchup and mayonnaise, uh, mustard. So I'm looking at making a, a fermented version of all of these. Well, a lot of the manufacturers of of products are also starting to shift to using more lactic acid as a preservative, and that's exactly what you have in the way. It's the lactobacillus, right? That that's fermenting it, and that's what's being used as the preservative. So the we are seeing it appear in some foods. I, I don't know where they're getting their lactic acid from. Right. But, you know, obviously using a natural form is going to give you a better result. Yeah, because I haven't seen too many, like, um, it's been hard to find it, many, like, things like mustard. I think it's, they're totally fermented. I think probably the closest to one I've seen that was decent was uh, Eden Foods has one with um, with apple cider vinegar. That's probably the best store-bought one I've seen. Um, but, yeah, hard out because it seems like pretty much – all the ketchups. Well, there's ketchups. There's there are some that use apple cider vinegar, although a lot of them though use uh, use all these sugars. Though I mean that's another problem. With well, all you know of what them. ketchup is originally. It was originally um, fish sauce. Right. It was a fermented right. fish sauce from Indonesia, and then um, I think there was also tomato in it, and somehow the fish got lost, um, and the tomato stayed. Um, but it had. I would imagine that that fermented fish flavor would bring a lot of depth. And a lot of um, savoriness to whatever you were eating with it. Yeah, kind of. Uh, imagine it. <laughs> imagine it tastes very different. That kind of ketchup. Um, well, you didn't. That expression wasn't like one of yay. Give me fermented fish. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that I want my ketchup to taste like fish, but um, but maybe I can experiment with it a little. Uh, maybe it has more a like a ingredients an umami to... flavor. Maybe it's more maybe. that like fifth flavor. We'll see. You know. Uh, well, do you do the do you do the fermented cod liver oil? Have you tried? I that? have actually, and I did actually find that there is one recommended that you can actually take in the pill. Um, oh, there is, and it's available at Whole Foods Carlson. Oh, cool. Cod liver. So That's right. I'm, I'm like, maybe that. I should get that. I, I did get the 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 butter, the high um, the high mineral butter oil, and I've uh-huh. been putting that like on my veggies and stuff, and and that's good. But the fermented cod liver oil, I've, I have to find my flavor. I think. Yeah, well, I think Carlson, you can also, they have like, um, they have some lemon flavored ones. I think I just got the regular, I don't know, I thought. Um, so you get little thought, fishy burps? Uh, not too much. Oh, but, good, you know, good. it's kind of, um, I mean, I was taking just regular uh, omega-3 supplements mm-hmm. in the pills. So these taste pretty much the similar, same because I don't know, the lemon, uh, I like lemon, but something felt about that felt <laughs> a little weird kind of adding it to it. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, uh, you know, so so why are fermented foods so good for you? Do you know what they do? They help you digest things easier. Exactly right. Well, and that, and you know, so many people when they start drinking kombucha or other fermented beverages, what they report is this boost in energy. 
And some people mistakenly assign that to the caffeine that's in the tea. Now, there's not nearly as much caffeine in kombucha as because it's not even a ratio of like one tea bag to one cup, right? Right, as you know from making it. Um, plus, some of the caffeine gets converted in the fermentation process. So, really, that energy comes from your body digesting the food better. So if you think about it, you eat something and you can feel, right, like after Thanksgiving or whatever, you feel like all the blood go to your stomach and you're kind of tired and you want to take a nap on the couch. Well, when you have fermented foods with your food, they improve that digestive process because the bacteria helps digest the food. So it isn't just coming from the bacteria inside of your digestive tract, but also um, from the foods you're eating. Also, a lot of people with, again, the overprescription of antibiotics and things like this, a lot of people just don't have the necessary bacteria in their digestive tract to, to digest their food properly. And so that's a lot of times when you're feeling sluggish after you eat or things like that. It's because you're, you know, your gut might be out of balance. So there is still some caffeine in the kombucha after it's fermented? Oh, yeah, there is some. It's interesting because, you know, it's a thing of um, – I used to think I needed, like, coffee in order to, uh, to be awake during the day. And, uh, you know, because I, I seriously didn't think I was going to be able to follow through on – I'm giving up coffee. I thought, no way, this will not work. Um, but um, no, it was a thing that actually I felt very energized. And it's a thing that actually when drinking it, because with coffee, it was kind of a thing that I would often feel um, a thing in the middle of the day kind of tired after drinking it. And I don't get that anymore with the kombucha. That's actually gone. Or like the days that I don't, there'd be days that I didn't drink coffee and yeah, in the middle of the day, just feel completely exhausted, and and that's gone. It's kind of I think there was a thing that it was like I was relying too much on it, that, and it's, well, it becomes it's, a crutch, and then drains your adrenals, and you end up with adrenal fatigue. And so, coffee then over the long term has the opposite effect of what you're drinking it for in the first place, right? Exactly. You know, you're drinking it for this boost of energy, but what happens is your body then crashes because that energy isn't supported with other minerals and nutrients. For instance, there's yerba mate, which is a holly plant from South America. And it has caffeine, but it also has other um, enes in it, um, other healthy things that support it so that you don't get that same up and down as with coffee. For some reason, coffee is just real jerky. Right. And now this isn't to say that I will never drink coffee again. I mean, I have had some decaf coffee, um, which I guess – uh, probably, uh, so I thought I'd probably call that a compromise food, I think, the decaf <laughs> coffee. Um, and, now nah, you know, it's kind of sure if, you know, if sometime if a friend wants to go to, like, La Mill, say, um, then I would get some caffeinated coffee. But um, the other thing is I can't drink caffeinated coffee late at night anymore like I used to. So most of the times that my friends want to go for coffee, it's at night, where <laughs> even before I wasn't drinking, I was drinking decaf then. Um, but, no, you know, at, at some point I might, and... I don't know. I've had, I love coffee flavored like ice cream, and I don't know if those have uh, caffeinated coffee or not. Actually, I had Strauss ice cream last night, and there's they say on there is decaf. I don't know if the other ones if they use caffeinated decaf or regular. Or not. Well, it's um you know a lot of times people are using coffee as a sugar <laughs> delivery system, so oftentimes the coffee isn't even just for the energy, but it's for the sugar, and then you get that same kind of crash with the sugar. Because it just it doesn't sustain over a longer period of time. But another really important benefit of the fermented foods is that beneficial bacteria. It basically goes into your gut and lines the gut. So that even if you get exposed to other germs or whatnot, there's nowhere for them to land inside your body once they get in there. And this is one of the ways in which it helps to boost immunity. Um, 
Another thing that it does is it, it lines the gut with, with the bacteria. Nothing can land there. And then um, it also releases immunoglobins, which help boost immunity naturally as well. I don't know if you, have you been sick at all this year? No. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gone around a couple of times already. Right. Wow. Yeah. Um, that's pretty good. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't, don't get sick too often. Um, although I guess we've got some sick ones. I always have to be careful about saying I don't get sick. <laughs> I said that one time and, uh, and then I got really sick. I mean, in fact, people were telling me that like, Aaron, don't say you don't get sick. Uh, to come back and bite you. And it did. But, um, but yeah, I, um, I haven't had, that hasn't been a problem. So now, Tell us a little more about specifically about your company, Kombucha Camp, and what it does. Absolutely. So um, we are the top information site in the world on the Internet. Um, so we're bringing content, recipes, videos, tips, how-tos, as well as um, the research and the information that's available to us about kombucha and its um, how it works in the body and its benefits. Uh, as we know, the FDA doesn't recognize any claims on FDA uh, on kombucha right now. But, um, you know, they hardly recognize. Well, the FDA. Right. <laughs> we, all, we all know kind of what's up with that in this country. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, concerned with what the FDA says or what, what Dr. Andrew Weil says about kombucha. Yeah. It's, you know, people are so suspicious. They're so worried. They're, there's a whole bunch yeah. of fear about it. And it's really strange to me because it's, um, it's been around longer than soda. You know, you want to talk about the mm. fad, that's the soda. It's only been around for 150 years. Kombucha's been here at least a couple hundred, if not a couple thousand years. So um, you tell me which one has staying power. And uh, But uh, soda just has a better marketing plan. So if you come to kombuchacamp.com, and that's camp with a K, you can get a free kombucha recipe. You can sign up for a little mini course where we teach you about kombucha. There's, like I said, loads of tips, recipe, blog posts, kombucha beer, um, we also have kits and cultures available for purchase. So let's say you're wanting to make kombucha yourself, just like you do. Um, we have that available as well. Yes, I have to say the instructions are wonderful. Very, very easy to understand as far as how to make your own kombucha. Or in English. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Actually, com- making kombucha is super simple. It's really just a big pot of sweet tea. You add the culture to it, and it ferments. Now, of course, there's a lot of little details besides that, but that's essentially what the process right, is. Right, and then it's kind of a thing of learning then, like, what kind of ingredients to add. Exactly. To what flavors have you made? Let's see. I've done, uh, done like, orange. Uh, like orange juice? or Well, actually, I just used regular orange. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I did flowers. And then I, get, I like to start with uh, prime with some. I kind of want to make some, like, citrusy ones because mm. I find those are uh, flavors I like to drink. So maybe a list mix of, like, kind of orange juice. Lemons. Those are, yeah, no, I love the lemons. uh, I use a lot of lemonade in my, or not lemonade, but lemon juice in my kombuchas. I think it's so good. That's the uh, the one. Yeah, so now did you you go to some of those kombucha uh, booths at the Natural Products Expo? I did. I, you know, if there was kombucha, I found it. Um, So we have Reeds, which makes ginger ale and and, uh, root beer. They're coming Mm -hmm. out with a kombucha. Oh, wow. Are they going to come out with kombucha soda? And no, I think it's the kombucha. Um, uh-huh. It's uh, called Culture Club, so we'll we'll see when that that emerges on the scene. Yeah. The Maybe they should make months. a kombucha soda, or, or just we should say kombucha pop. Kombucha pop, because we're yeah. both from the Midwest. That's so right. <laughs> why do we need to stand by these California rules of uh, forget the soda? soda. Well, it, we're the pop. Thing is, it's such a weird thing to call it soda because the thing is, okay, what well, soda is is soda is. Um, just a mixing agent. It's just the fizzy stuff. Oh, really? It's and just then, the carbonated yeah, water. Right. And so to make a thing Soda like, say, water. say, like, Coca-Cola, 
you mix soda and you mix it with syrup. Right. So pop is soda and syrup. Well, so, pop is what the bubbles do. Right. But it's like, <laughs> you know, soda is just one of the ingredients. It's right. like, it's, be like, why, don't, why do we call it soda? Why don't we call it syrup? No. Right, right, right. Soda and syrup makes pop. <laughs> <laughs> so this whole this whole thing of how it's called soda. It's soda it's like, pop. When people say soda, yeah, sometimes I'll say that to them like, Oh, so you don't put any syrup in? You just uh, you know, <laughs> they're like what? Well, I remember those kits as a kid, like, and they've come back in popularity. But my grandparents had they'd have the the soda water bottle, right. the and the syrups, and they'd mix up our own sodas right there. It was such a like fun thing to do, hanging out with the grandparents. And I think they have those dispensers. They're they back do, in yeah. Vogue, right? You see a Bed Bath and Beyond, right? The Soda Stream, and yeah. I think there's another one. Yeah, mainline that sugar, man. <laughs> I don't know. They try to say it as environmentally friendly, but then the only thing that was that they don't they don't uh, take uh, part in uh, kind of um, that. How about though these uh, these bottles that you use for them and of what they come in, like what the syrup comes in. I mean, you can't recycle. Can you recycle the uh, you know these plastic bottles that you get the syrup in to mix it? Well, you know, I mean, I guess because you're not buying cans, but right. you know, the best soda to have is a kombucha soda because. Nice. Um, you know, you're you're not going to have the same sugar. Even though kombucha is made with sugar, almost all of it's converted in the fermentation process. And that's why when people try it and they're like, oh, this is, you know, it's sour. It's not sweet. So um, although I have noticed that some of the more commercial brands are shifting to a sweeter side, I think, to pull in that soda audience. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, us hardcore Although not everybody. You know, it used to be when they made it in Russia, they would only ferment it for a couple of days because they didn't have any soda pop at all. Mm -hmm. And so, like, they would have a sweeter kombucha, and that would be their soda. They'd leave it on the sweeter side. Sweeter side. Oh, because I think maybe Reach, though, should market, though, like a, uh, you know, what kombucha soda or kombucha pop. All right. Well, let's send them a letter. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, because I have not really, um, you know, a lot of these, uh, you know, any of these pops, I've not really seen any that are truly real food and... A lot of these ones they keep like uh, greenwashing you to make you think that it's real. I mean, because well, which with, ones have you tried? Well, there's like um, what pops have I tried? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, well, I just tried the uh, the one. Oh, what was it? It's called Free. It's a uh, Blue Sky. Um, hmm. They use this thing called Truvia, which oh, that's the stevia blend. Right. The, the thing is, it's not only stevia. It's some type of um, they use some type of thing with the stevia to make the truvia and because stevia has that weird aftertaste right so it's another thing like i mean we're seeing all these things since high fructose corn syrup has such a bad rap that Mm. they're using all these alternatives but they're really not any better like uh xylitol is one right right yeah truvia is mixed with not xylitol but a product similar to xylitol or something i think that's it erythritol yeah Yeah. yeah, which is a fermented like they fermented off of corn or something. It could be GMO. Right. Who knows? Well, it's it was. I was seeing, and uh, I think it was Kelly, the kitchen cop, was mm-hmm. saying uh, that the erythritol is uh, is just as bad as the corn syrup. I ran into Kelly, the kitchen cop, and Anne Marie from Cheesley. Right. It was like a totally small world moment. We actually ran into each other in front of Bucha, and oh, wow. another <laughs> like new kombucha brand out. How appropriate. <laughs> yeah, it was so cool because I I had no idea they were there. You know, it's funny about the expo because it's so huge. Like, I saw people who I wasn't expecting to see, and then I couldn't find other people who I was hoping to meet up with. So it's just one of those things. It was, things. but it's also interesting sometimes also the people that I met just at the booths, uh, you know, getting checking out stuff like me, not just the people. Selling you yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and then I went to the brag thing afterwards and actually met up with someone from Green Drinks. Oh, cool. So, so that was nice running into her. 
Yeah, well, you know, and in fact, kombucha is similar to apple cider vinegar, right? So they're both acetic acid ferments, and that's really what, like, the vinegar has going for it is the acetic acid is, is a really great acid. So in vinegar, it tends to be diluted to a 5% acetic acid. Kombucha is a weaker acid. It's only about 1%. And that's why we can consume kombucha in a larger quantity, um, you know, and uh, so, so it's a weaker acid than the vinegar, so it's not as intense of a flavor. Like people who do the apple cider vinegar, they do like a little shot. With kombucha, you can have a glass, have it over ice, add a little water, whatever you want to do with it. It's good stuff. Right, and Bragg's is one of the companies that actually makes unpasteurized yeah. apple cider vinegar. There, there are a couple others because I think uh, Spectrum well, they make. And Eden, I think, also has an unpasteurized. I think probably I got an unpasteurized yeah. red wine vinegar. They do, which um, I talked to them at the Natural Practics because i never see the uh, the red wine vinegar in the Whole Foods, but I guess they said they're looking at. Oh yeah, I get in. mine at Co-Opportunity. Yeah. Right, they have them at that, and I think they told me um, Erwan. Yeah. I think has it. So and maybe maybe Sprouts, mm-hmm. but they did. I think they said they're looking at getting those into uh, into the Whole Foods. I'm not soon, surprised. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's where everybody wants to be. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but in terms of other kombuchas, Tebu, which is a new one, it might look like it's spelled the boo, but I think it's a French. Te means tea. So they're they're new. They're from um, Hawaii originally, and they're just recently moved to California. Um, who else was there? Kombucha two thousand, uh, which you can also get at Erwan, uh, was there. And there's a new kombucha shots. Saw a couple of. Um, well, Celestial Seasonings came out with a kombucha shot, which I have to say. Does not remind me of kombucha at all. It just tastes like one of those. Is that like bags of kombucha? No, but there there was someone who had a kit. I've seen those. Right. I've seen just like, it's like just tea, but they call it like kombucha tea. Oh, yeah, that's the yogi. And I don't know how that would work because the the kombucha is temperature sensitive. So it's not something you want to be pouring boiling water on. That that one's always kind of baffled me. I'm not sure how they do that. But um, but there are these um, energy shots. There was another one I think called Kavana. That's doing an energy shot. And, right. You know, I mean, it's to me, it's like, why? Kombucha is an energy shot enough as it is. Why would you want to add some kind of weird additives in order to boost its energy? I don't know. To me, it doesn't make sense. I think kombucha is an amazing energy drink on its own. It is. So do you drink, do you drink it several times a day? Um, yeah. Well, actually, I think that's the best way to drink kombucha is, me you know, too. so many people, they'll buy the bottle and they just chug the whole thing. They're like, oh, I just spent, it's like they're Starbucks or whatever, right? right? They spent their when four When you first bucks. gave me the bottles and I did that, I had like it with my dinner. I'm like, oh, this is a little too much. But I, I realized I didn't read. I think you even have like instructions kind of to start yes. out with it. And then, yeah, yeah. So we recommend small servings, four to eight ounces. So that's half a cup to a cup. Um, one to three times a day. It's a tonic. And so what happens is because the nutrients are bioavailable, your body can use them instantly. And they're in these micro doses, these really small doses, these amounts that like maybe wouldn't even register on the side of a nutrition panel, but they're there. And so your body can use them. So nothing's wasted. And so you get like these little mini vitamin shots throughout the day. You get those bursts of nutrition. You have energy. You're not hungry. You know, you just, a lot of people report uh, feeling good like they have a mood boost so there's a lot of great 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 things to having your kombucha right i find it like a good thing to have before each meal like a little kombucha absolutely so especially if you're trying to lose weight or have more of that appetite suppression uh, functionality cup 20 minutes 15 minutes before your meals will help to um 
alleviate. Oh, it's better to give some time before the meal? Yeah, a little bit just because that gives your body some time to absorb it. Uh-huh. But I do also like to have it with my meals. You know, I, I really enjoy having a little kombucha with dinner, mm-hmm. um, especially because I'm having grass-fed beef or something like that. Right. <laughs> so I want I want some extra help digesting that. And do you make kombucha sodas? Well, um, I mean, yes. And I actually have a new flavor coming out because I switch out my flavors every um, every season. So right now it's Love Potion 99 and Apple Pie. You can get those at Erewhon and uh, Life Food Organic, which is on Sunset and Cahuenga here in Los Angeles. And Grassroots Mar- Natural Market in Pasadena also has the Hannah's Homebrew. But um so this new flavor I'm doing is actually modeled, and this is why I was asking you about sodas, on Fentimins. is one of my favorite um, soda companies. Although, actually, I think I only really like the Rose Lemonade. And it's a fermented ginger base with lemon and rose. And so that's, that's basically my new flavor. I'm trying to think of a good name. I, I thought of, like, um, Blush Fire. Hmm. Kind of a silly reference to brush fires. Um, all right. Uh, or Wild at Heart. I kind of um, like that. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm still trying to kick around with Maybe the it's just the be. David Lynch thing. Exactly. <laughs> See, that's exactly right, right? Like Love Potion 99, I'm trying to do the little pop reference thing. It's, it's just fun. Right, to the old song. Exactly. Love Potion number not, nine. Right, not to the movie. Oh, no. Is there a movie? <laughs> not a very good movie. Yeah, it was like this bad movie with uh, Sandra Bullock and John Cryer. Yeah, no, I'm definitely thinking of the song. Yeah, I grew up listening to the oldies station in Chicago, so that that one's very far Yeah, planted. no, I remember one time I said I saw the movie, and so it was bad, and this guy, this little guy, heard me uh, talk about. It. He's like, "Oh, that's an oldie, but a goodie." And I was like, <laughs> "Well, the movie wasn't that old." Then I realized he, he thought I was talking about the, the song, song, not right. the movie. Yeah, no, the song's funny. But uh, and then "Summer Breeze" is when I do in the song. Makes me feel fine. I just like that. Uh-huh. I like those silly associations. So now you call it like the summer of '49. There or... you go. Something like that. Or no, it was the movie "Summer '42." I don't know. <laughs> There's "Summer of '69." The song. But there was some. Some movie like Summer of Forty Two. I know 49. we're in LA. I should know more about this stuff. <laughs> I just I'm not totally paying attention. <laughs> but yeah, so um, so the fermented foods they do so much to help, and you know what they've been. Here's the crazy part: they have been part of traditional diets since we don't even know. You know, they've recorded beer making seven thousand years ago, and who knows how much longer before then we were consuming fermented foods. I mean, it's it's literally, you leave out some unpasteurized fruit juice, it'll start to ferment because it wants to preserve itself. It's a natural process. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of crazy that here in the U.S. we completely lost touch with all of our traditional foods. But every single culture, every single traditional society has fermented foods as one of its staples. Um, you know, and oftentimes those fermented foods are considered delicacies by that group, but then are considered, like, kind of gross by everyone else. You know, for instance, in, um, you know, I think in Weston Price's book, he talks about the people of uh, Ireland off the Hebrides, and they would put fish heads and stuff them full of oatmeal and then stick them in a wall (laughs) in the side of the house and let them ferment and then dig them out, and this was, like, a special treat. I mean, to us, that probably sounds really gross, fermented fish brains. But, um... (laughs) You know, so every culture has understood these nutrient-dense fermented foods are so vital for our bodies and for our optimum functioning. In fact, um, at the conference last year, Sally was talking about uh, Dr. Price's work and how in Alaska they have, they have sled dogs, right? And when they fed them just meat, the sled dogs did not have enough energy. And by the, you know, before the day was done, they were, like, dragging and really slow. 
And they found that when they fed them fermented meat, they had energy and they could get them through the day. Oh, wow. And that's kind of what keyed them into, oh, we should be eating fermented foods. You know, we see how much more energy it's giving our dogs. Mm-hmm. Is think what it's going to do for us. Wow. Now, how about um, kombucha beer? Have you ever made that? I've not made kombucha beer, although I have drunk kombucha beer. So um, that's one of our more recent How does posts. it taste? Does it taste... Uh... Well, it's a, similar to a Lambic. So, again, it de- kind of depends on the brand you're, you're getting. And there's not a ton of brands out there, really. Um, so we've got Lambrucha, which is the only one made in Belgium. And Lambrucha. That's, yes. Like yeah, so they do a Lambic-style beer, and then they, they add kombucha to it. Um, I think at Unity Living Vibration, based out of Michigan, and now you can get their kombucha beer on the West Coast in San Francisco specifically. I've heard of that one. Yeah. Oh, I've heard so, of Unity. Yeah. yeah, Unity Living Vibration. And then so they're doing two flavors, ginger and raspberry. And that's, again, similar to the raspberry is kind of like a framboise if you've ever had uh, like the Lambics. Mm-hmm. So Lambic is is the most similar beer style to the kombucha. It's a sour beer, and it's a wild yeast fermentation. Like a lot of times in beer brewing, it's a it's a lot more specific process. Um, it has a lot more steps than brewing kombucha, and they'll control the quantities and types of yeast, and that determines the flavors and, and this and that. Whereas um, with the lambics, they literally, like, they let them be uncovered, and they let the wild yeast come and populate at a certain point. And so that's very similar to the way in which kombucha is brewed. So I think some of, like, Unity Living Vibration, they're basically taking a kombucha tea as a base and then fermenting it with some of these other wild yeasts to increase the alcohol level. So that one, I think, has an 8% ABV on it. Um, and then there's also Beyond Kombucha out of New York City that's making a Mava Roca, which is a maple vanilla rooibos base. And then, um, yeah, that one's really good. <laughs> And also beer, I mean, that's another type of fermented food. Beer, wine, cheese, chocolate is fermented. You know, um, the beans have to be fermented before you can get to the chocolate. Of course, these are all compromised foods. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've I've been reading. I got my copy of uh, Nourishing Traditions, so Uh I've heard these terms. But um, but the thing thing is, uh, if you do drink beer, it should be unpasteurized. unpasteurized. Right, and I've realized um, it actually makes a lot of sense. I I just think I don't like the taste of... uh, of pasteurization um, because all the beers that I like pretty much are unpasteurized and I don't really like any mass produced beer which are all pasteurized. Well, they um, taste dead. They do, yeah. And even like, because I mean, I like a darker beer, but um, I don't really like Newcastle or even Guinness that much. And I think that it's the pasteurization that I don't like about them. Yeah, well, I love, then there's some beers that are unpasteurized that even say, don't forget to dump the rest of the yeast into the glass and the yeast is where you're getting like b vitamins it, it you know i don't know if you saw uh, uh ken burns's prohibition that the documentary mm-hmm. that aired recently but you know it used to be in this country that was what people drank was beer because the water quality was so poor that by fermenting it into beer it was made uh more potable so in in order just to even have something to drink, we had to make beer. And this was a country of drunkards. Uh, when you watch Prohibition, it's it's pretty amazing. Like like even the the places of business, men would they would have a break at like eleven in the morning so they could have their beer. Their AML. Their A. That's right, and like the companies on, would pay you for ever see it. An ad on Saturday Night Live AML. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I think there's something to it. Not not that we should be drunk at work, but you know, I, I think having a drink maybe around lunchtime kind of mellow you in to your to your afternoon and if not that then your kombucha because that's a way of getting that kind of mellow buzz but without 
uh, inebriating yourself. So yeah, well, someone just told about another documentary that talks about actually with beer that was actually where pasteurization started. Really? Yeah, I thought all, it was with milk. According to this documentary, no. And also, hmm. the assembly line started with beer and not with cars. not with Ford. Yeah, that it was like there's kind of the untold story of really all the beers contributed. Right. And then there's the lady who was like three people behind Morse who also had an idea for a telegraph. I don't know. You know, there's all these stories. <laughs> it, there seems are. Like, yeah. it seems like ideas kind of percolate up at a similar time, right? And so right. It's, it's sometimes yeah, it's hard to describe. Yeah, telegraph and also the telephone. It was like there were like two other people that had the idea for the telephone, but um, – but they didn't make it to the patent office first. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> if you have a good idea, go patent it. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so the fermented foods, there's they preserve, they get you more nutrition, they curb cravings, they bring your body back into balance in terms of your pH. So, you know, you're also getting the beneficial bacteria. In fact, you know, they've recently come out with information saying that children who have autism have a completely different type of bacteria that populates their guts. Now they don't know if it's causal or if it's or what the exact relationship is, but they found that when um, autistic children are put onto the GAPS diet or are fed fermented foods, that a lot of their um, a lot of the the problems they have are healed through that process. That's amazing. It yeah, is pretty amazing. It's... Moreover, this is kind of cool too, the Human Genome Project, which we know was trying to map out the human genome, they had to stop because they had to first understand bacteria before they could finish that process. So now we have the Human Microbiome Project. The microbiome is what we call our gut and all of the bacteria that live in it. It's kind of like a dense rainforest. Every time they go back in there, they're finding new different types of bacteria. They've now declared your gut an organ. Interesting. Yeah, so wow. it's, you know, normally we think of like the liver or the kidneys as like being this kind of physical object, but the, now they're considering the gut and the attendant species of bacteria that live in it to be its own organ and an important organ. Right. Another interesting thing I found is people with uh, that are lactose intolerant when they've had raw milk, that how they've been cured. That... Well, because it's not that they're lactose intolerant, it's that they're pasteurization intolerant right they need exactly. the because when you pasteurize you kill the bacteria that help you digest the lactose which is the milk sugar right, right. Um, so we need those bacteria to help us uh, digest that lactose otherwise your body can't process it and it's more you know it's I don't know drinking pasteurized milk is I stopped drinking it so long ago without even knowing any of this stuff like we started wow. on whole milk then we moved to two percent and there was no way I could do skim I'm like why it doesn't even taste good I mean, it's just interesting to learn after the fact, like, about the lipid hypothesis and how fat is important to our diets and, and it doesn't make us fat and just how interesting that trend of moving to low fat is. Absolutely. Well, there's, there's just there's so much that can be discussed and so much to teach people. It's, it's been great to have you, Hannah, but um, before we go to our desserts, tell us how we can find uh, the website for Kombucha Camp. Absolutely. So that's Kombucha Camp, K-O-M. B-U-C-H-A-K-A-M-P dot com. You can also find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Pinterest. We're out there. So come come find us. All right. That's great. Well, so absolutely. We'd love to have you on the show again. So now I got to go to our part of the show of the desserts. This is my recommendations of what to do for the upcoming week. Jamie Oliver and his Food Revolution team have launched a campaign called Stop Pink Slime. 
You can go to their website, stoppinkslime.org, and sign a petition telling the USDA to stop using pink slime in its ground beef. Already, Safeway, as we mentioned earlier today, as well as Costco, Whole Foods, and restaurants like Burger King, McDonald's, and Taco Bell have stopped using beef that contains the pink slime because of the news. And with the campaign, we can further the cause even more. Also, the New York Times has a contest to write an article of less than 600 words about why it's ethical to eat meat. The winner gets their essay published in the Times. The deadline for this contest is April 8th. For more information, please go on the website nytimes.com, and you'll get more details about how to enter. Lastly, if you can make it out to the Coachella Valley this weekend, there's the Palm Desert Food and Wine Festival going on all weekend. Many great restaurants and wineries will be participating in it, and there will also be a tasting from Kerrygold, which is one of the most sustainable dairy farms. Kerrygold has cows that are completely pasteurized to produce some of the best-tasting cheese, butters, and milk products. <laughs> oh, sorry, I said pasture, pasteurized. I meant pastured milk. <laughs> Thanks for Hannah's corrected me. Um, so anyway, that is it for this week. See you again next week on The Appropriate Omnivore. <laughs>